It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We are here for you Monday through Friday. Here today after a Boston Celtics blowout, 134-106 of the Charlotte Hornets, the biggest point output of the season for the Boston Celtics. I am John Corrales flying solo tonight because Jay King, is working the game, and Sam Packard and I tried, we tried desperately to connect over the internet because he is in Florida working his real job, changing lives, affecting change, and technology got in the way. So it's just me. If you have not met me before, I am John Corrales, host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast, obviously, also co-founder of RedsArmy.com, and Boston.com Celtics contributor. Follow me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. Let's walk through this game, which started out pretty good. Started out as a duel between Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, which was going to be a lot of fun. And for the Boston side of things, it continued to be fun after that, but it wasn't much fun for the Charlotte Hornets who were on a back-to-back and clearly did not play well after the half. Aaron Baines had a nice contribution. A big night for uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, We got a nice uh, Greg Monroe off the bench. Uh, He seemed to kind of pick things up. A lot of guys in double figures. I'm going to talk about it all uh, as much as I can to make this blowout seem interesting. And it's all brought to us by our good friend, Celtics fan extraordinaire, and the best real estate agent in the business, Jason Manganello, who wants to help you buy or sell a house, and he will do so while contributing 10% of his commission to charity and sending you or the person that you refer, or if you are the refer, you. That was confusing, but let's move forward. To a Celtics game. He is our sponsor, so please go. Check out Jason Manganello if you're looking to buy or sell a house. All right. So, this whole thing tonight started out like a, a great back and forth. The first quarter, 37-31 Celtics, and it was Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker just trading baskets. In fact, that was basically the first half. The first half numbers were spectacular all around, a lot of offense, the Celtics went into the half with a 67-59 to lead. 
Kemba Walker, who I love. I love Kemba Walker. I'm a fan, without a doubt. There, he. I feel like he's criminally underrated, and I feel like he's uh, kind of stuck in Charlotte. They were looking to trade him at the trade deadline, and they could just – well, not looking to trade him necessarily. They were looking to move out – big dead money, big crazy contracts that they had in Batum and Dwight Howard and other guys. And they kind of felt like Kemba would be the vehicle to get them out. But I digress. Kemba is, uh, does not deserve to be in Charlotte. He deserves to be on a better team and he should be on a better team. And he played great for the first half. In fact, he was almost perfect shooting-wise in the first half. 8 of 8 from the field, 4 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the line for 21 points and 4 assists. A little bit better than Kyrie Irving, who had 24 points on 10 of 14 shooting, 2 of 3 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, to go along with 4 rebounds and 4 assists. So the Kemba-Kyrie duel was just... Uh, fun and it was shaping up. It would have been fun to, to to have watched that for the duration of the game. To be honest, the second half was not very interesting. I spent a significant portion of the second half trying to get jokes off after Marcus Smart dove for the ball and or getting gifts out and videos of Kyrie doing spectacular things. The actual product on the floor was not really entertaining if you unless you just wanted to watch the Celtics just pummel somebody into oblivion but the the actual results after halftime didn't even matter so it would have been fun to have had more of the Kyrie versus Kemba battle uh, Kyrie ended the game with 34 points 5 assists 4 rebounds 13 of 18 shooting from the field 4 of 6 from 3 4 of 4 from the line he did it all by playing 9 minutes Basically in the second half, none at at all in the fourth quarter. So just a monster game from Kyrie Irving. In fact, Kyrie Irving, after the All-Star break, has just been completely dominant. In four games since the All-Star break, he's played 28 minutes a game, by the way, as opposed to 33 before the All-Star break. In 28 minutes a game since the All-Star break, he is shooting 58% from the field, 54% from three, 91, basically 92% from the line. He is averaging 27 points a game, six rebounds, and six assists. Obviously, obviously, it's a small sample size, but he has come out of the post-All-Star hot, hot. Now, part of what Sam and I were going to get into was – what the hell has gotten into Kyrie Irving? And because Sam is Sam, he was going to knock some jokes out. And he told me, the one thing you got to get out there is that I believe that uh, Kyrie Irving is on a ayahuasca journey. Ayahuasca journey. I had to look that up. And you should look it up. But it's spelled A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-K-A. This is the old man way of getting out jokes. This is not a joke. Uh he said that he believes that Kyrie is on an ayahuasca journey or maybe it's something else. Maybe the secret ingredient is... Afternoon, Homer. Care for some chili? I've added an extra ingredient just for you. The merciless peppers of Quetzalcoatl Tanango. 
grown deep in the jungle primeval by the inmates of a Guatemalan insane asylum. That's right, Guatemalan insanity peppers. Now, Simpsons fans know that you need to drink candle wax first before you ingest the Guatemalan insanity peppers, but, uh, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. Kyrie Irving did it, and now he's just going completely off. So Kyrie went nuts, and the Celtics just ran away with it. A couple of other guys that deserve really some recognition. Aaron Baines did a very uh, had a very nice game in this one. Baines started and be- because Tice uh, Daniel Tice was out with a sore hamstring, and he shot six of seven. Had 12 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double, and a plus 21. And I was going to bust Sam's balls about the one thing he was saying throughout all of these podcasts is you don't want to run the offense through Aaron Baines, and generally you don't. But tonight he was hitting shots. And I will say that he was hitting shots earlier in the season when the Celtics went on that big run and that 16-game win streak, Aaron Baines making shots was a very key part of that. And it was an underrated part of that. But amongst all of the things that had to go right, like Jason Tatum becoming the best three-point shooter in the league and Jalen Brown making that second-year leap, there was an element of Aaron Baines hitting shots that went away when the Celtics started to kind of come back down to earth. And... When Aaron Baines comes up and starts hitting shots, now obviously him shooting 85% is not going to be sustainable, but he just was dropping basically everything that he he put up tonight. And even though it's just 12 points, that just opened things up for everybody. That 12 points just made an entire difference in this game because when he's hitting shots, then – you. I guess it's one of those things when he's hitting shots, you know that uh, it's going in your favor. Also hitting shots tonight, Greg Monroe. And people were giving me shit on Twitter about Greg Monroe and and asking me, and I forget who it was, you know who you are, so I'm not going to call you out. I already did so on Twitter. Greg Monroe is new. And it's going to take him some time to get used to this whole system. Everything's been going fairly well for the Boston Celtics. All right? This season, even with the Gordon Hayward injury, has gone pretty well. They've won 44 games, and which is most in the East, even though they're still a half game behind the, the Raptors. 44 games is most in the East and the third most wins in the NBA. And... There are rotations, now with Marcus Smart back, there are rotations that will be hard to crack for Greg Monroe. And yeah, maybe he's just an insurance policy. Maybe you can call him an expensive insurance policy. Not that expensive because they signed him for like $5 million and it doesn't cost them any extra in the tax. It was money, that cap space that was made available through the league and the disabled players exception. So... It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost me anything. It costs Wick Grosbeck and Steve Pagliuca and the Celtics ownership group something. But they have that money. So, not a big deal. That's just money that 
exists in Celtics land. So who cares what he costs? Doesn't hurt the team, has no effect on the future. So they took a flyer on him. Worst case scenario, doesn't work. You don't play him. That's the worst case scenario. Tonight, they played him. And he didn't play much. He only played nine minutes in this game. Uh, but th- that doesn't make sense. That's I'm looking at the box score, and I-, I feel like he played more than nine minutes. But that's what the box score says. And so he had 14 points in, in-, in that time, whatever time it was that he played. It wasn't a whole lot. Oh, here we go. I just refreshed. So, And I'm not going to edit this out. He played 20 minutes in this game. And that makes a whole lot more sense. I don't know why that was uh, wrong, but 14 points, four rebounds, a couple of assists. We saw a little bit of his passing. He was uh, on the floor for a little bit of a run. And I think tonight was obviously a very positive step for Greg Monroe. Now, he was taking advantage of some defenders that are not going to be the defenders that he sees in the playoffs. Willie Hernan Gomez and Frank Kaminsky are not going to be the types of post defenders he's going to see in the playoffs. So, fine. But positive steps, little steps, moving forward with 20-some-odd games to go. Greg Monroe getting some time, productive time, his best stint as a Celtic. So let's be patient and let it work. Let's just let it work. You know what you should also let work for you or who you should let work for you? It's Jason Manganello. Jason Manganello is by far the best real estate agent in the Boston area. He's the guy that you need to turn to if you or somebody you know is looking to buy or sell a house. Go to Jason Manganello and he will first of all, let's start at the beginning. He will walks walk you or your friend through a free market analysis. So you'll know right away through this free market analysis what you can expect for your current or future home. All right. So he will just walk through all of this. If you decide, eh, I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's doing. I don't like the way this whole thing laid out. It's free. Just move on. But I guarantee you that you will not move on because Jason Manganello has 15 years experience as part of the residential group, the top selling group in Massachusetts at William Ravis since 2009. He's been doing this for a long time. He's been working with people who are buying condos on their own or families buying multi-million dollar homes in the suburbs. He can work with any group, any price range. And the best part It's not just the personal touch. It's not just the power of a large company that he's got the resources. It's that he, once this entire process is completed, will donate 10% of his commission to a local nonprofit designated by the client. That's you. You can pick which charity in your new neighborhood will get the benefit of 10% of Jason's commission. So whatever it is, whatever is close to your heart, you an animal lover, ASPCA or MSPCA or the local animal shelter, a boys and girls club, whatever it is, you tell Jason where to donate 10% of his commission and he will do that. So reach out to Jason Manganello by emailing him lockedonjason at gmail.com. Lockedonjason at gmail.com or call him on his cell, 617 
If you are just thinking of buying or selling a house, reach out. He will send you a first-time home buyer's guide if this is your first time at this. And I have been through this process. It's long. It's tough. It sucks. But Jason Manganiello will walk you through this entire thing. And on top of all of that, he will send you to a Celtics game. If you buy or sell a house through Jason Manganiello, you go to a Celtics game. If you refer somebody who buys or sells a house through Jason Manganiello, you go to a Celtics game. If you do the free market analysis, just the free market analysis, everybody who does that gets entered into a drawing to win tickets to a Celtics game. So Jason Manganiello will walk you through the entire process beginning to end. He will help you with the power of his his firm and the personal touch that he is known for. And he will donate 10% of his commission to a local charity, and he will send you to a Celtics game. He was a giant Celtics fan. He's a listener of this podcast, and he is investing in us because we know that you should be investing in him. So contact him, LockedOnJason at gmail.com, 617-877-5694. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we get to some of the tweets, just a quick breeze through some of this stuff in the in the box score. Uh, shout out to Terry Rozier, who extends his streak of 10-plus uh, games with double-digit scoring. He had 14 on the night on 6 of 11 shooting. Marcus Morris continues to play well, 15 points on 7 of 12 shooting. Marcus Smart, a 10-point performance. He And he had a, a fantastic, uh, it was like a turnover, but he stole it right back. And it was just a hilarious moment, but a perfect Marcus Smart moment because he's diving on the floor with a 20-point lead. And that's just Marcus. It was awesome. Uh, Jalen Brown had a nice performance, 15 points, five rebounds, four assists, a nice shooting night, four of seven. So an efficient shooting night, 
Seven of seven from the line. That's big. That's big for Jalen Brown because he struggles from the line right now. And I have faith that that will change. He's working on that. So uh, a nice night for Jalen. And and the seven of seven from the line is you know, pretty important in a blowout win when you're looking at a 30-point win and not much to talk about. That's an important thing to talk about. Uh, Al Horford took it easy. Five points, uh, four assists, two rebounds, not much. But you know what? It's funny. This is so perfectly Al Horford. And I know that the individual plus minus doesn't mean a ton. But five points, four shots, 21 minutes, plus 27 for Al Horford. Isn't that perfectly Al? Isn't it just perfectly Al? Plus 27. Plus 27 the Celtics were when Al Horford was on the floor. Uh, Jason Tatum, quiet night too. So... That's the run through the box score. And now on to the Twitter, which we ask you to hit us up with the hashtag Rain and Jays. Okay? Hashtag Rain and Jays for serious basketball questions throughout the game, throughout the week, whatever it is. And then beyond that, Rain and Junk, hashtag Rain and Junk for, you know, something a little goofier. Now, Rain and Junk is generally. Uh, Sam Packard's purview, and I'm not going to try to be Mr. Uh, Jokes like uh, Sam Packard, but I will go through those tweets as well. So let's hit the Twitter, please, at Nicola Bagani. Hey, by the way, at Nicola Bagani, Celtics Nation Italia, 50th birthday, just celebrated his 50th birthday. Let me tell you something about Nicola. We talk about our international fans. Nicola just turned 50. He's from Italy. He traveled to the United States. We've we've had regularly through RedsArmy.com viewing parties. For We've been doing Reds Army, geez, now for what, 12 years now? 11 years? I've lost track. Uh, which in, in, in the internet age, uh, th- this is like dog years. Like a 12-year-old dog. We're, we're gray. We're limping. But we're still here. We're still kicking, and uh, we've been holding parties for most of, I think, we all but one or two years. Nicola, on his trip to the United States, made it a point to be in the United States while we were having our party one year and, and came to it. That's how big a Celtics fan he is. So special shout-out to him. Uh, our international fans are the best. I know that you guys are from all over the world. I know you guys make incredible sacrifices to listen to this show, to watch the games, to be Celtics fans. I love it. I love it. I'm on the East Coast of the United States, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, God, I don't have the energy. You guys are getting up at 3 in the morning to watch games. So shout out to all of you guys. So back to Nicola Bagani's tweet. We switched from IT to an ET, extraterrestrial, not bad at all. And it's a picture of Kyrie Irving on a step back, which is kind of funny that a year ago we were celebrating Isaiah Thomas, who had one of the most special seasons in all of Celtics history. And here comes Kyrie Irving, who's doing a lot of the same things. And because I think because he's not, you know, 5'9", and we're we're not as in awe, but man, he is doing some freakish things out there. Some of the things he's doing, especially since the All Star break, he is just amazing, amazing. 
Uh, at Jake Isenberg, do we have to give Smart the max now? Yeah, hasn't hasn't Marcus Smart shown his value? Uh, if he was unrestricted in a more favorable economic environment, then I would say, yeah, he would get a lot of money. Not the max, obviously. I know that was a joke. But, and this sets up, I, I will take this seriously, it sets up an interesting conversation about Marcus Smart's contract, which has been a fascination of mine throughout this entire year. When he started out wanting $20 million a year, and then we're thinking maybe 15, and then maybe 12, and now eight because that's the mid-level exception, and nobody has money to spend. I'm starting to come around on Marcus Smart taking a two- or three-year deal with the Celtics at favorable money because the money's not going to be there this summer. It's not going to be there next summer. The summer after that, it will be four years since free agents had signed in that crazy cap spike. Those contracts are going to start coming off the books. So if Marcus Smart signs a two- or three-year deal or a two-year deal plus a team option, or maybe they give him a player option, I doubt that Danny Ainge does that. That's not something that makes a lot of sense. But you give him two or three years, nothing four or five, nothing super long-term. If I'm his agent, I say two years at $16 million, two years at the mid-level level, whatever that is. And let's just be done with it. Forget the, forget going into restricted free agency. Let's just get two years, $16 million. Get what you can get. By then, the other contracts come off the books. The money stabilizes. Marcus Smart turns 24 on March 6th. His birthday's coming up this week, next week. So March, Marcus Smart turns 24 on March 6th. So a couple of years from that, 26 years old, or if they do three years, it's 27 years old, still in his prime, still time to get two more really good contracts. A three-year deal maybe, when he, and then when he's 30, get another good deal to kind of maximize his earning potential. By then, the other big contracts come off the books, and then Smart can go and maybe earn a bigger payday, either with the Celtics or somewhere else. Who knows what happens? There's a lot that can happen between now and then. But I'm starting to think that the smart play for both sides is a couple of years, something team-friendly, $14, $15, 16000000 million for two years. So somewhere in the 7 ish 8-ish million a year range for smart. And then we'll see. We'll see what happens. By then, a lot of things can change, and the Celtics and Marcus Smart can decide again from there. There's no point in going and languishing in restricted free agency and not getting offers or getting an offer that everybody knows that Danny Ainge would probably match at $8 million a year, especially with that Lakers pick not conveying because it probably won't convey. When you look at the standings, the Celtics are, I mean, the the Lakers are so far ahead of so many teams that if you're going to finish in the two through five range, that there's just too much separation. There are so many teams. You, you look at the Lakers, they're 26 and 34. 
The Knicks, Bulls, Nets, Mavericks, Hawks, Suns, Grizzlies, Kings, Magic, all worse than the the Lakers. And by by a bit, the the Lakers at a 43% winning percentage, the Magic 29.5% winning percent. There's all of those teams. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read off the numbers. Bottom line is the Lakers are not gonna finish unless some weird freakish thing happens. They're not gonna finish at a point where it conveys to the Celtics. The the Sixers are are gonna probably keep that pick. So let's just all move forward. What that means salary cap wise is that's a top five pick that's not going to be slotted in the salary cap, which means the Celtics aren't going to have to pay that pick. And so there's more money for them to spend without hitting that salary, that uh, luxury tax and avoiding the luxury tax next year is a very important thing for the Celtics because they're going to have to pay that luxury tax down the line. They know it's coming. Any opportunity to push that repeater tax off for another year, they got to take. So if you can get Marcus Smart at eight million a year for a couple of years, and that Lakers pick doesn't convey, they can keep a they can keep basically most of this team together and fill in some gaps with cheap stopgap players, uh, the Aaron Baines type players of the world. Maybe they, I, I've been saying that Aaron Baines probably doesn't come back, but unless there's a market out there for him, there might not be. They they might even bring him back at. Similar money. Who knows? But point is that Marcus Smart could come back for a couple of years at a reasonable amount. The Lakers pick not conveying helps the Celtics keep him and they they can move forward. And then next year, the, the, the year after next, then if the Sacramento pick conveys, perfect, fine, whatever. They're paying the luxury tax that year anyway. That doesn't matter at all. We know that's a luxury tax year, and that's the beginning of that three consecutive year window where at the end they'll be paying the repeater tax. So next year, I think the Celtics completely avoiding the, the tax at all costs, and they don't need to pay the tax. They'll have Kyrie, they'll have, they'll have Al Horford, Gordon Hayward will be back, assume he's healthy and 100% mentally, physically, and all of that. So they'll be a finalist contender for sure. Who knows what will happen with the Golden State Warriors. That's another another conversation. So a very long-winded answer for a kind of a joke tweet, but I took the the whole thing seriously. So back to the tweets. Jack Howland, at Jack underscore Howland. Can you explain how these officials withstand the awesome power of Al Horford's angry angel eyes? How do they keep calling that pin and spin foul on him? I, I think... Here's an alternative thought. Maybe they call a foul on him just so he can look at them. Huh? If you don't call a foul, then he won't glare at you and you won't get a look at those wonderful eyes and eyelashes. Never thought of that, Jack? Rifesy, at Rifesy, Jalen finding his free throw stroke is a nice development. We talked about that. That's absolutely a nice development. At Robert Denton, a little scared that Tatum has his Olenek impression down so hard. That flailing drive turnover move. Uh, kind of interesting that Jason Tatum is kind of losing the ball on drives a lot. I just think that's a rookie thing. I, I, that, I'm not worried about, about that moving forward. Okay, on to the rain and junk hashtag. Ian, Ian, at, uh, Jesus, 
what the hell is this Twitter name? At Spoona, but there's an under, whatever. Ian, just search the rain junk hashtag. Uh, my first Gino time, it's a baby dancing to Gino. You got to see this. Just, Ian, I wish you had a better Twitter handle. At SP, it looks like a capital O. It's like that eyeball thing with the underscore and the two O's, and then an N A, at Spoona. Uh, it's a baby, and there's Geno time on the TV, and it looks like it's daylight. Where the hell are you, Ian? That's uh, where's your looking? You're in Australia. Oh, okay. So it's an Australian baby dancing to Geno time. You have to see this. I retweeted it. It's awesome. Uh, babies dancing to Geno always get a retweet. So if you've got a baby and it's Geno time, tweet it to me. Uh, this kid, dope as hell. Uh, at Tushpagoosh, nothing better than some in-game Geno time. We haven't seen a lot of Geno time. So, uh, all right. At Jovian Shadow, responding to Jay King. Maybe Dwight Howard shouldn't be taking that Dirk fadeaway. Jay, Simon says, just quietly, he can have that all night. Yeah, early in the game, Dwight Howard was like taking jump, start, jump shots and a Dirk fadeaway. What the hell was that? That was stupid. Uh, and that is, oh, at Addie Shepard responding to last night's, uh, show or yesterday's show, uh, asking if we can imagine Daniel Tice with cornrows, I'd rather not. Uh, and I'm going to respond to the people have asked us on the rain and Jay's Twitter. I know we don't get a lot to a lot of these, but there, we got a question from at Sandish Dylan, who tweeted at the rain and Jay's Twitter account. Can you speak to the importance of the first seed in the East? Regards to playoff matchups and whether the Celtics can take back the first seed from Toronto. Uh, well, they certainly can because they're only a half game out. So there is an opportunity for the Celtics to do so. Uh, they just got to, they've got to win these games. They've, and Toronto, I think, is probably due for a, a loss or two. But uh, they're playing extremely well, and we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, the best part about all of this is that the Celtics play Toronto twice more. March 31st, a Saturday night game. And then again, Wednesday the 4th at Toronto on ESPN. So two more chances to put some separation between themselves and the Raptors. So right now, they've split the season series. The Celtics beat the Raptors earlier this season without Kyrie Irving, and then the the Celtics, before the All-Star break, went to Toronto and got absolutely destroyed. So the Celtics can certainly, if they just keep it close, and then it's just a matter of beating Toronto. You, you face them two more times. So they can, and getting home court, I think, is an important thing. Especially if... I, I'm not placing a ton of importance on the Celtics getting to the finals, but let's just say the Celtics, let's just take it at face value. The Celtics against the Raptors with home court advantage, I think will be, uh, it just be a, a legitimate advantage. The Celtics would much prefer to play the Raptors four times in Boston because right now, as of this recording, the Raptors are 25 and 5 at home and 18 and 12 away. So having those four games in Boston would be a significant advantage. And 
the interesting thing about Toronto, if you listen to people talk around the league, there is one universal thread around the league. Nobody trusts the Raptors. Nobody trusts Toronto to do what they're doing now for the rest of the season and through the playoffs. And there are two key elements here. When the Celtics got destroyed in Toronto, it was Toronto's bench that did a hell of a lot of damage. But that bench is super, super young. And will that young bench carry the Raptors like they have through the playoffs? Young players in the playoffs have historically not been great. Now, it doesn't bode well for the Celtics necessarily because they rely on young players as well. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're looking at, at Daniel Tice. They've got a bunch of young guys themselves. So obviously there's a lot of this that applies to the Boston Celtics. We have to be honest with ourselves that that is an element to the Celtics that uh, may, may be a problem when it comes to, to the playoffs. However, in speaking about Toronto, that is also an issue for them. And Toronto this year has significantly changed their style, which, great. Dwayne Casey deserves a ton of credit. Dwayne Casey does not get any consideration for Coach of the Year. All of the people that were are talking about that award are talking about most people other than Dwayne Casey. They talk about Brad Stevens. Obviously, you talk about Pop. They talk about Steve Kerr. They talk about Mike D'Antoni. But... Dwayne Casey has the Raptors at the top of the East playing a completely different style, which is the definition of coaching. He's gotten Kyle Lowry. He's gotten DeMar DeRozan to kind of change their approaches. He's gotten the most out of this bench. He's gotten uh, different players to kind of take different roles. Uh, So the problem with that is when pressure hits – do they revert to their old habits? And that's the the second element of the Raptors' distrust. When the playoffs hit and when the shit hits the fan, does Kyle Lowry go back to his old habits? Does DeMar DeRozan go back to his old habits? Do the Raptors go back to sitting around and watching Lowry and uh, DeRozan take turns going ISO? And that would be a problem for them. So I think home court is a big deal for the Celtics. And I think the Raptors are, are not entirely trustworthy. I, I am in unison with the rest of the league. All that being said, the Raptors are perfectly capable of going to the NBA finals. They are a very good team. And like I said, well coached and they, the Celtics, the Cavaliers going down to the wizards They are all capable of getting to the finals, and they are all inherently flawed teams. You can make an argument for or against any of those top four teams for going to the NBA finals. The Cavaliers, yes, they have LeBron. Yes, they have Kevin Love, but they've got this entirely new team, and we've seen them struggle. We've seen them give up a ton of points. They barely beat the Nets. They gave up a ton of points to the Nets. And if in the playoffs with the Cavaliers – what what happens if you take away drives from LeBron and you can limit uh, Kevin Love? Or who's going to step up? Is Rodney Hood, is George Hill going to be a guy that steps up in the playoffs? Larry Nance Jr.? No. So 
that's going to be an interesting thing. LeBron is LeBron, and he has an advantage. And because he's LeBron, you probably put him at the top of the list of teams most likely to get to the finals. But still, flawed. Celtics, clearly flawed. Kyrie is Kyrie, and if he's doing what he's doing, great. Al Horford's going to have to step up. And and nights like this, you don't need him to do much, but he's going to have to produce and produce more statistically and what happens with Jason Tatum? What happens with Jalen Brown? Those guys are going to be forced into uh, producing a lot more statistically, a lot more scoring-wise. So can they step up? Can the Celtics bench? Can these young guys step up? Same with Toronto, like I just said. The Wizards have their own problems. So lots there to uh, digest. But uh, home court would go a long way. And the Celtics, like I said, are a half game out of first so with two games to go and each team splitting one, I would say winning those two games would basically win the Celtics the East. Okay, that's a lot of talking about of me, man. It's a lot. I talked a lot in this one for a post-game show, kind of extended out into beyond that. But uh, yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. If you are a new listener, I just want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, This is the type of thing that we do. It's me. It's Sam Packard, who is generally here, kind of our comic relief. Jay King, who is the Mass Live Beat beat reporter. So he's at the Garden working postgame. So you got me and generally Sam postgame. We hope that you have enjoyed this show enough to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. If you are a subscriber, I hope you enjoyed me blathering on for 40 or so minutes. And uh, you can give us a good review. A five-star review would be amazing. Uh, a little review to tell people that they should be listening to us. That's a lot of fun. And uh, that would help us out a, a, a bunch. I want to also on, mention that on Wednesdays, I am hosting the Locked On NBA show as well. The Locked On NBA show has gone daily. So I, as well as uh, Jake from uh, the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the Locked On Pelicans podcast, uh, are hosting the Locked On NBA show. So I'm recording this on Wednesday night. If you are not a subscriber to the Locked On NBA show, subscribe to that. So me and Jake Madison are, are kind of recapping the games, still tweaking the format, still kind of working out exactly how that's going to go. But uh, you're going to get the gist of that. We're going to recap the previous night's games. We're going to get you ready for the that night's games and talk about the big topics. So subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. We're daily. There's a ro- full rotation of hosts as well as David Locke, the founder of the network, is going to handle Thursdays. So subscribe to that. All right. Celtics win. They beat the Charlotte Hornets 134 to 106. Next up, a couple of days off, Saturday night, the Houston Rockets, a big game, a big road trip. Rockets, Bulls, Timberwolves. If the Celtics can get through this with two wins, that's a big success. That's big progress. The Celtics have won every game out of the All-Star break, and now they're going on the road for big tests, Let's see if the Celtics are truly back. We are back every day, Monday through Friday. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Let's get it.
Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.